Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There will be. (laughs) We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories. Their nuanced conversations. And forward thinking. And not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. I hadn't heard that intro before. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Fade to Gray. We have an old friend of the podcast on. um, In fact, uh, one of the earliest people we've had on the podcast, uh, Lucas King, and we're very excited to have him back. Uh, Lucas is a funeral celebrant, and he wants to change your perspective on dying and planning funerals. Uh, and I'm extremely excited to kind of figure out what he's talking about there because death to me seems, of course, like it's the worst thing ever. Uh, but, you know, certainly we can get into that. Uh, but Lucas, man, it's so good to have you back. Welcome. Oh, I'm so glad. Gl- gra- so glad. So glad. <laughs> so to be glad. With- I'm so glad. Uh, I was good. That's grateful and glad put in the same sentence. Uh, it is so oh, good to nice. be with you all again. Like you guys, uh, you you folks, you you people are some of my favorite people. What do you mean by planet. you people? You know what? Take it however you want to take it, Omar. Um, I will. Thanks for yes. I like uh, how, you say that. I mean, how can I not after that? Uh, man, missed and, you, man, uh, buddy. Yeah, this is like uh, I think this is. We were talking before we like press record. Like uh, I feel like this is this is like where it's like, hey, I have a new idea. Let me call. Let me call my friends at Fade to Gray and see if it's a bad one or not. You know, like that's kind of the. Um, I have so many bad ideas that like that most of them never. Most of them never get like if they do get past the idea stage, most of them die in like pre-production. And so so there's like uh, Seth Godin says, if you write enough bad blog posts, you'll have a couple of good ones at some point. Sure. And so I uh, my thing is like if I have enough bad ideas, eventually there's going to be a good one somewhere. And uh, I think this is well, I know this is a good one. So. Yeah. Well, we we love having you around and it really goes back to the whole yes and thing that we, you know, we love ideas whether they're good or bad you know we like to just see where, see where they go so we're not hey, we're, we ain't scared boy do we <laughs> boy boy do we <laughs> oh goodness um yeah, it's but, good to be good to be with you all so happy well, to 100%. lucas tell me this how did you get into being a funeral celebrant nah, because yeah, when we first met death, you you weren't man. doing that needed a job um <laughs> so you know, as as some of the listeners know, uh, used to be a pastor once upon a time, and not anymore. And uh, when you when you study 
uh, to be a pastor, you're, you're studying with like a very, like it's a very intentional degree field. It's a very intentional path. Like the goal is to the job guide and narrow. <laughs> yeah. It's to guide and direct people in your particular faith tradition in, in following said faith tradition. It's not like a degree in it that you can do at like a hospital or at Apple or at Google or at, you know, I don't know, Joe's, you know, like Joe's crab shack that needs cybersecurity. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's not a transferable degree. And so when I, when not I left denominations too, which is, which is also hilarious. You could spend your it, whole it life is, in one denomination and then it'd be meaningless in a whole nother faith. Denomination. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the, the advantage of an MDiv is that an MDiv does, does give you some options, but I don't have my MDiv. I almost have my MDiv. Um, and so when I, when I left the church, when I left the pastorate, I literally Googled like jobs for former pastors. Um, <laughs> sales was the number one job that came up. <laughs> car wow. or not. They're good at it because they sell sales. the religion every day. I mean, it makes day. sense. It you makes do. So much you, sense. You, I mean, so think, about, so think about the role of a pastor, right? So you, you, you get up there and you, you, A, you're convincing people who haven't bought yet to buy what you're selling. You're convinced, you're, you're reassuring people who've already purchased that what they purchased was good. And then you're trying to help them use your product better. Like that's the essence yeah. of what being a minister is. And, and not only that, but then you get those one-on-one -on -one sales calls that are known as divine appointments that- um, You're judged that, by your numbers too. Really. That, so and yes, and your numbers matter to the corporate headquarters. Wow. It's a sales wow. job. Sales job. Wow. And uh, so I so I left that and I I did a string of I, I you know I really kind of went on this career quest um, because part of you know leaving faith and leaving leaving the church and and reevaluating and revamping that part of part of what goes away and part of what needs to be rebuilt is like purpose like what is my purpose what is my calling uh, that that absolutely is and so it's not like you can. What is it? What does a non-religious pastor look like? Um, you know, that's not something that, that <laughs> and that's not even a question I was asking, to be perfectly honest. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? So I did a string right. of career things. I sold flooring. I taught yoga, which is oddly very pastoral. Um, you can make it very pastoral. Again, some of the you're performing, you learn a sequence, you're talking to people about the benefits of it. Very, very, very big correlation between being a pastor and being a yoga teacher. And uh, then I got into radio and was working at a radio station with a friend of mine. And he said, you should be a celebrant because he's, he's a priest and he does funerals. And I said, what the hell is a celebrant? He goes, you do everything a pastor does, but you don't preach about heaven. You make it about, <laughs> you make it about the person. It's about, it's about the deceased. It's about their life. It's, you meet the family, you interview them, you, you learn about them, and then you go tell their loved one's story. Now he didn't say all that, but that's what it is. And so he introduced me to a funeral director who called me for my first funeral. I had no idea what I was doing. The first time the family answered, like I got the phone call, I got the phone number, I called, they answered, and I was like, uh, like I didn't know what to say. Like I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to I didn't know what to do. I didn't, Are you the I, family I, whose dad died? Well, that's like, you know, is this, is this Jim? Hi, Jim. I got your number from, you know, from, from, uh, from Ron over at the funeral home and I'm going to be doing your dad's funeral on Friday. 
I don't know what to do. Right. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what to say. I don't know how to present myself. I was, I was a mess. And, uh, and so then my first service, I, I pulled everything off the internet. I rearranged it. I redacted it very biblical. And, um, and, uh, I did it and they loved it. And it, and looking, I still have, I have my third service I ever did. I have that one still saved on my computer. And it was, I look back on those things. I'm like, oh my God, those were horrible. That was the one. <laughs> those were so bad. Those were so bad. I could have done so much better. But that's, Is it how, that's on YouTube first anywhere? Of, could, we, could we find no, it? No, the new, some of the new ones are, but the old ones are not. Um, and uh, that was my first like uh, entrance into this job. And, and at first it was a side job. I wanted to pursue radio. I wanted to pursue other things, but this was a great way to make some money on the side. And then I uh, had a, about uh, five or six funerals in. I had a, 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 a more than an acquaintance, less than a friend, uh, whatever that thing is in between. Uh, that person, uh, I, had a, a one of, <laughs> I had one of those, acquaintance, friend, uh, I had, they died. They, they died in a very tragic climbing accident. They were young, mid-20s. And, um, and without getting too specific, they, I knew them through the, my yoga scene. And when, when they died, uh, I saw where the service was going to be held. It was going to be held at a Mormon temple. I was pretty surprised because in all my, in my, in all my knowledge of this person, they never mentioned, um, being part of the Mormon church. So I went to the service and I, and I, I went to the service in a completely different perspective. Now, you know, now I've done this. Now I'm, I'm paying attention in a different you never way. never saw an elder name tag? No, it never came up. <laughs> you Nothing. You drop Nothing. a couple of Joseph Smith references. That's, in your that's golden, a right? day giveaway. Normally the, the she ties. never even mentioned, she never even mentioned of faith really. And, uh, so, so the whole service was about, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Her, her boyfriend, her fiance of many years, who she lived with, who they lived life together, was introduced as her friend. Ooh. And I was just incensed at that point. Um, and at that moment, it really planted the seed that this is not, this was wrong. Like, this is not how it should have been. And I've really kind of now dedicated my life to making sure that doesn't happen for anybody else yeah. that 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 if you love boating then your funeral should be at the lakeside if you are if you are a person who lived life to the edge then and you want your funeral to be a party then your funeral should be a party um and uh and so to answer, to get back Luke, to answering the question, you may have to do of, my funeral. Um, yeah, how, I'm. Not, how, how do you feel about a, a three-day festival in Omar I'm Burners? A, just I'm, make sure, just make sure that, just make sure that there's enough in your pre-planning or in your life insurance policy to cover my flight and my my uh, lodging. So, <laughs> we'll talk later, Luke. I'll make Important. sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so then to you know, uh, then I found myself having to turn down funerals to be at the radio station and not liking that. I was like, no, I'd rather be doing this. And so it's been a, I would say that the real commitment to really pursuing this as a career, like the firm commitment to put both feet in has only come this year or last year, 2020. Um, and it actually came 
when I wasn't doing services because of COVID. And it came when, you know, my girlfriend and I were visiting Michigan for a while and we talked about moving. And then I came back here and I got all these calls to do these funerals. And it was in that moment that I was like, no, I'm actually really committed to this. Like, I really want to do this job. And I've really poured myself into it I'm kind of on a deeper level now um, and tried to improve and get better and better writing, better speaking, better at services just in general. And uh, it's been a really exciting thing. So um, that's how I'm pretty stoked uh, that your business is probably booming now that all these people are dropping dead of COVID. So right? it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that. Because the mortuaries are full, the hospitals are full, a lot of people are dying, and I'm not that busy, which I'm kind of upset about, to be perfectly honest. Sure. Um, because we're not gathering. You can't have gatherings. And so right. a lot of people are electing to wait. Um, I know of a few, like, underground places that you can have funerals. Um, There's but, underground funerals? I mean, not underground, put it underground on the- specifically. It's on the black market. But there are, market. there are <laughs> venues that are available. <laughs> Is that because Um, of California's regulations? It's because of those stay-at-home orders. Yeah. Wow. Um, Now I know of I know of some places that are saying screw the regulations, let them come shut down a funeral. You know, Um, early on it was early on, common sense did not rule the day when it came to services. So you'd have families who would drive in the same car, but once they got to the cemetery, had to be six feet apart from each other. That's so silly. <laughs> that doesn't really make any sense, does it? No. Um, luckily, fortunately, it's logic. Yeah, fortunately, right. Fortunately, now there's a little bit more um, uh, reason, and obviously fatigue, and people are, and it's really been, it's really been quite tragic to witness how painful it is for people not to be able to have everybody there that they want. Yeah. Um, to know yeah. that the to know that the room would be packed but there's only 25 people in there and 60 watching via live stream. That's really yeah. sad. For, that's really sad for people. They want to know their loved one's life mattered. That's part of my job is to, is to, is to reassure them that it did. And, and um, they want to know that their loved one's life mattered. They want to know that they're going to be remembered and they want to know that they were significant. And when people can't come, you take that away from them. That's really yeah. sad. Yeah. It's really, it's really been kind yeah. of tragic to watch that. So I had to go to a Zoom funeral last year. It was not fun. Um, it's just, it wasn't the same. It, it wasn't the it, same. It wasn't the same, but as someone, I attended my grandfather's funeral via live stream, not because of Oof. COVID, but because I had to do a funeral that day and Ooh. another service that day. So that's a whole, my family could have fucking waited, but they didn't. And anyway, that's besides the point. I'm one person. They're all there. They made the best decision for everybody. It was a greater good scenario. Um, yeah. But I will tell you, I made a video. I sent it back. They played it. I got to say my piece. Like, it was really good. I will say it was as close to being there as it could have been. Like, my cousin yeah. my cousin had me on his phone. I got to wave to everybody in the pew. They waved to me. Um, and I know Grandpa would not have wanted me to cancel work to go to his funeral. So I did kind of, like, work for him that day. Um, sure. So it was a thing. And, and, but, and so that's why I, that, that's why I went and bought all the equipment I needed to live stream funerals. So that way other people could watch. Cause I know what it's like not being able to be there and how important it was for me to be able to at least be there, like in spirit, um, yeah. in a way and, and be able to witness that. So I wonder if the live streaming of funerals will be something that's just commonplace from here on out. I mean, that just seems like a great idea. I, I intend to continue it. 
um, I, I intend to continue it and make it better. Yeah. Like I have, I, I have like the next step of what I want to do, but the next step is so expensive. Um, and so, so right now I have like good enough. Um, and it's way better than Facebook live on an iPad, you know? And so, um, but it's, it's something that, you know, I'm doing a service next week where the majority of the family is in the UK. There's no way that they would make it back all of them, even in non COVID times. So they're the, and, and I even remember when I first started this, I was like, I wonder how I would live stream funerals. Cause that would be good. And so COVID just was a reason to go buy stuff. I was like, all right. <laughs> Send that stimulus, baby. Send that stimulus check. I got some microphones to buy. You know, like, uh, like it was really, I used that as the, I could not justify buying stuff. But then I was like, no, this is a great way. Like I can market this. This can be another part of my business. I can go, you know, show up. There's so many people that don't know how to set it up. And to me, it's just like, oh, well, you just press this, you do this and then you're good. And so, you know, I've, I'm doing an all online funeral on uh, in February, on February 20th, just just because the, the, the families can't get together. Everybody's so spread out. So it's going to be all online, the whole thing. Wow. Um, and uh, and so I'm you know kind of taking the reins on that, which is it's just great to be able to like help people do that and to be able yeah. to grieve and set it up. So that's absolutely fun. that's fun. Do you have any examples? Because you were talking about how you wanted to make the celebration be meaningful, right? Um, and that your friend didn't really care that they were Mormon, right? But then they had a Mormon funeral. And that's not really celebrating that person's life. Do you have any examples of where you have spoken with the family and you've been able to make those funerals celebratory of the uh, the person's life? Yeah, so... So many. Um, part of it is just getting them out of the mindset that it has to be a certain way. So most people think, here's, here's one of my favorite phrases. Is that, my favorite questions, is this appropriate for a funeral? Everything's appropriate for a funeral. I've played everything from Tupac to Frank Sinatra at a funeral. <laughs> um, I did a service once where there were more F-bombs than in the movie Departed, the, the Departed. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was, so part of it is just creating space for the crowd to be the crowd and, and not, not, uh, and reminding everybody there are no rules. Um, so one way that I personalized it for a family, this guy was very proud of his Irish heritage. He met his wife over a Coke. That was how they met. He said, let me get you a Coke. And that's how they met. So at the end of the service, I passed out tiny Cokes because you can't drink at, you're not supposed to drink at funerals. Um, and so I passed out tiny Cokes and I put on, I went and bought a leprechaun jacket and <laughs> a, an Irish hat and a leprechaun bow tie. And I put that on and I found an Irish blessing and I are an Irish toast. And I held up the Cokes and we toasted this gentleman. And, and that was how we ended it. Um, I did another service with a guy who loved smoking cigars. And so I had a cigar in my front pocket. And when I went and I closed the service, I said, let's close this service in a way that only so-and-so would have appreciated. And I got out the cigar and I put it in my mouth and I read my closing remarks with a cigar in my mouth. Um, we have, I had a family where the, the most, the, one of the best nights for them was Trivial Pursuit. They love Trivial Pursuit. So at the end of the service, we had, a, we had Trivial Pursuit there and we had a, a, I bought a brand new game and we had it sitting out 
And I said, as you leave today, grab a piece of that Trivial Pursuit. And the beautiful part about that is that this game will never be able to be played unless we were all together again. Oh, wow. And we're never going mm -hmm. to be together again, all in all likelihood. But we're all here together today to honor so-and-so. And, and so let this be the memory that, you know, his memory, I said it more eloquently than I'm saying it right now, but essentially like let, let this memory, you know, take these memories with you. You know, if you get that little house, or you get a card, put that in your front pocket. And the next time you reach into this coat pocket that you're wearing today, you'll feel that card and you'll remember this person. And um, beautiful. I had a guy, he was a barber. So we set up in the, in the, in the, in the room, we set up a barber chair and, and, and like they had a full barber set up in there. Uh, we handed out combs at the end of that service. So everybody that left got a comb. Um, we had a guy who loved motorcycles, so we we had his motorcycle was in the in this in the chapel. Then they wheeled out the motorcycle, and his best friend drove his urn in the the saddlebag to the graveside. Wow! Um, so just all these, there's ways to do it if you're open to it, and um and it's it's as simple as you do a service for a farmer, so you try to talk about farming. And so the beautiful part about that, I did a service on Friday for a guy who was a farmer and it rained like hell on Friday, but we squeezed the service in between the rainstorms. And I said, how fitting is it that we're doing a service today for a farmer in between rainstorms, which is exactly <laughs> how he lived his life. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got to make hay when the sun shines. And so if you pay attention, you can find these little itty bitty nuggets that, that may seem insignificant, it's not that hard to do. It doesn't have to be as big as, as combs. It can be as small as referencing their favorite movie and just taking the time to look up a quote from their favorite movie and look up the actors and, and, and just mention it as opposed to just walking in and saying the same shit you said yesterday and not changing anything but the names. And, nice. and uh, I don't write a brand new service every time. Like the beginning and the end is the same in, in most cases with differing variations. But that middle 1,500 words is always different because it's always where that person born, what impact they made on, on the life, stories that I was told, you know, all that kind of stuff, if the family's willing to talk. How often do you find that the family is really excited about your perspective on funerals? I don't think they're ever excited about it until it's over. Um, they, when I, when I talk, when I visit mortuaries and when I talk to family, there are certain phrases that people say that I'm good, that I'm a good fit for. If somebody says we don't want a church service, we want it about mom. We don't want it about somebody else. We want to make this service about mom. Mom didn't really care about religion. She wasn't that religious. Um, uh, we don't want some, we don't want, especially if it's suicide, drug overdose, we don't want any mention of hell. We don't want those things. So, so those are things that, that funeral directors hear and they know that that's when they need to call me is when they hear those words. And then when I talk to a family, I just tell them my goal in working with you is to tell your mom's story whatever that is. I'm not here. I don't have an ideology that I'm here to push on you. My goal is to make this meaningful and special to you. My hope is that you will say, wow, we don't remember what that guy's name was, but it sure was a nice service. And, and that's my, that really is my goal. 
And within that is where the is where the philosophy comes up. Most people, when they work with me, they're not going, man, I want to find somebody that really wants to make this fun. They're saying, who the hell is going to talk at this thing? Because it's not going to be one of us. Like that's really, that's the, the crux of the question. And then I bring, it's kind of like when, <laughs> not going to compare myself to Steve Jobs but I'm about to. <laughs> when Steve Jobs made when, when the iPhone came out, nobody said we need an MP3 player, an internet browser and a phone in one device. Nobody said that, but everybody has one now. Because mm -hmm. he noticed a need that people didn't even realize was there. And I see what I do as a cross between that and a mechanic. Nobody wants to go to the mechanic, but when you have to go, you want to make sure you got a damn good one. Right. And, and that's kind of how I see the approach. So people are very appreciative of it when it's over. And I have people come up to me at the end who say, I'm going to die one day. How would my family get in touch with you? <laughs> and I hand out my business card, you know? And so, so, so I, I think that they, they don't even know that, um, that what they don't even know that they want what I'm doing until they get it. And then they're like, and now I have families that, that, that I am their guy. Like Repeat I've done customers. families. I've done, I got it. I've got one this week. You know, I've got one for this, this family that says we loved what you did at so-and-so serve. I've got people who will call and say, you did so-and-so service. I called, I called Mrs. So-and-so and, -so and they want you to come. And, and I'm like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying like, if you do a good job, I'm, I'm filming a service tomorrow. And I, I talked to the, to the, to the daughter today. I said, what's the priest's name? Who's doing your, your dad's service. She didn't know. She's never met him. She's never talked to him, but he's going to be there and get paid to be there. And he doesn't even know her. That, Fury, that infuriates me. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Does because the priest what, know the dad? No, because what he's going to do is he's going to show up with his with his script that he read for Bob's service yesterday. The same service he's going to read for Jim's service on Wednesday. He's going to walk in and say, what was your dad's name? Okay, great. And he's going to say the name twice. And that's going to be it. I did it. I filmed another service once where I was standing at the graveside, the minister who showed up kept referring to your loved one. The guy's name was on a sign right behind him. All he had to do was go, oh yeah, Rudy. You know, but he did, they didn't even do, he had his freaking note card in front of him. Didn't even do that. And that's not right. You live your life for 75, 85, 95, however many years you live it. You live your life in this unique and beautiful and magical and wonderful way. And then when you die, some a-hole you don't even know shows up and says the same thing he said at the service. And it's always a he, by the way, at the service that he said, <laughs> the service that he said yesterday and the service he's going to say the day before and never gets to know your wife and never gets to know your kids and never asks them about you. And you're going to pay that man to show up and your funeral is going to look exactly the same as the guy who got buried next to you yet like three days before that's ridiculous sorry i get yeah. passionate about these things no i, I think it's worth it i think it's yeah. definitely yeah it's definitely worth it having buried four of my grandparents all, all four of them there's there is something to be said for for service for people that take time with the services like uh, my 
I had an uncle that I've had a couple uncles die and uh and my all my grandparents and the the funerals that I remember being the most um endearing I guess are the ones that I hold on to the most are my my last two grandparents because we took the ones who were doing the service were the family because we have a lot of pastors in our family so they could officiate and we knew sure. them and yep. and we were saying stuff like we were somewhat in charge. It wasn't like you said, it wasn't just a script of someone going through the liturgy of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there weren't, well, we still did have those questions of well, who has to say this and who's saying that, which I, you know, I had to do that from one of my uncle's services. I had to read a passage out of scripture and they decided to have me do it because I wasn't going to cry the most. I was like, how, how did I get the short end of this stick? I don't get this. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. When I was in college, I had a friend of mine who was Jewish, you know, but in, in the town that I grew up in there, <laughs> I don't think there's any Jewish synagogues. And so he had a Christian funeral. And I just remember, you know, at the time I was a Christian, but I remember thinking, this is just so wrong. This yeah. is just so wrong that this is his funeral because this is not him at all. Like he would hate this he would absolutely hate this. And what's that's so even, sad. What's even more wrong is the pastor who does a service like that and tries to convert people. Yeah. Who Oof. I got an argue. I got an argument with a pastor once I, uh, I did the service, talked to the family. We agreed on doing a prayer and this guy was supposed to do a prayer in Arabic because the, the family, um, I can't remember where they were from, but he was supposed to do a prayer in Arabic. So, he came up to me at the, at the, and the family was on a very tight time frame. So we had to like, there was, there was, they had to do the burial so they could go to the reception, et cetera, et cetera. So the guy came up to me, he said, how much time do I have at the graveside? I said, four minutes. And he said, for the pastor. And I said, for anybody, <laughs> four minutes. And so he, so he went up, he put his hand on the casket, said, we're all going to die one day. Where are you going? when you die mm. yeah then he did it all again in arabic and the funeral uh, attendant who was there he knows that i do non-religious services or very religion light like it is that shit never happens at my services and so he waved me behind a flower arrangement and he was like is this supposed to be happening right now and i said hey they wanted this so this is what's happening so he got done and i didn't even thank him i just said my thing and he came up to me afterwards and he said i saw your service in there i said you did he said i did do you ever talk about the afterlife i said no he said we have a responsibility and i said we don't i said in fact what you did i think was incredibly irresponsible because you don't know what these people's belief systems are you don't know where they're coming from you don't know you you don't know and so no I disagree with you. And I just walked away because I knew if I'd stayed, I was I was I was going to really just go. And, um, you know, statistically, if you have a service of 100 people, statistically, 25 of them are not religious. That doesn't mean they're atheist, but they're not religious. And they may even be turned off by God statistically. So they're there not for your faith, but for the deceased. And if you keep talking about the deceased is what brought everybody together, not the deceased's faith. And if that's the case, I shouldn't be doing that service. Right. And so they're the, everyone's there for the person who died. 
and you should talk about that person, not where are you going to go when you die? Because the minute you do that, everybody's gone. Even the religious people are gone. They're like, yep. this is dumb. This is dumb. We shouldn't this. No, no, this, this is not the right time. And uh, yeah, so so that's uh, anyway, you guys are getting me all up on my soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the word uh, that comes to my mind, Luke, is uh, to describe the way you're talking about doing these services being a celebrant um it's just refreshing um it's mm. it's just a new way of doing things it's it's something for so long um and this is where i kind of want to go in a little bit deeper and what you think about all of this um you know growing up in said america you know we do not handle death well um it terrifies us we do everything we can to to squeeze every second or ounce out of life, you know, normally. And then the loved ones, you know, like we don't know how to talk about it. A lot of times it's, it's always looked on as a very negative thing. It's, it's, it's so final. It's, it's like the end of something. So it's, you know, conversations like this are normally very awkward. Um, people don't know how to respond and a lot of times you start thinking like elizabeth and chris just did a second ago start you know remembering stories of their own of of, of things and a lot of times you know maybe there'd be some fond memories but a lot of times people have had those experiences with pastors or just religious experiences where it just was kind of cookie cutter maybe you got uh, some conversion sort of guilt trip at the end of it all but like um how what you're doing is rare. So how, how do we move forward? It's like, it's like you said, like you're the Steve jobs of funeral services, but how, <laughs> how do we create a culture or atmosphere where it's okay to even talk about death, where it's not an awkward sort of like thing where it's, it's okay. It's, it's a fun conversation. Yeah. So there's, there's three different kind of categories with that. Well, and, and, and the fourth category would be there needs to be more celebrants, and we can get into how that could happen later. But there's kind of three categories to that. The first category is people don't know how to deal with people who are grieving. When we see, when, when we as humans see someone hurting, we want to make it better. And what you need to understand about people who are grieving is that you can't make it better. Yes. Preach. period keep going there's no there's no asterisk to that there you can't make it better so if you can't make it better there's no point in trying so if there's no point in trying what do i do the best thing to do is storytelling is magical if you have a if you have a friend who lost mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, somebody, and that person who is deceased made an impact, excuse me, on you, tell them about it. You know what I loved about your mom? X, Y, and Z. You know, I remember this time that your dad said this to me. Do you know how important that was? Do you know how how great that made me feel? Um, tell them what amazing thing that their loved one did. 
The other thing you can do is say, I'm here with for whatever you need and remind them of that, especially a couple weeks after the service. People are really willing to help in that acute stage of grief, but a common complaint that I hear from a lot of people is those well wishes start to fade off. And, and uh, David Kessler, huge grief expert, describes our communities as an orchestra where everybody plays certain instruments. And so there are some people that they are, need to be there during that acute phase of grief. They need to be there for a season. That is me. I am not a, let me be your grief counselor and be with you for months and months and months. I am a, let me come in and do this great thing for you and give you all of my attention and then let the, and then essentially and move on until you call me for somebody else. Like I'm very much not a, I'm not a grief counselor. That's not my job. I don't enjoy that. It's not something I'm passionate about. I think grief counselors are important and I think grief therapists are important, but that is not who I am. And I know that. So I don't try to play that role. Um, so you need to know what you're good at and know what your role is. Um, a lot of people get a lot of food made for them early on. I would say do that, but do that a couple weeks later. Whatever you want to do, however you want to help, let them know you're there for them and then wait a month after the service and see how they're doing because that's when people stop asking. Um, so tell those stories, do that, um, you know, and really just, just being there. When they start to cry, don't get them a fucking tissue. Let them get their own tissue. Because when someone starts to cry and you get a tissue, you're not doing it because they have snot running down their face. You're doing it because I'm going to give you this tissue so that your tears will go away. So let them get their own tissue. Because Just it makes be them there. feel awkward. And yeah. you're, you're being inconvenienced by them putting you in this awkward situation. So just be there. I sat across the, I sat across the table from a mother of a young child who died. And she said, I'm never going to get over this. And I said, you might not. And it was just as quiet as it is right now. That, and if, yeah. And if it you, has, can, you have, that's, that's the most honest thing you could say to a mother. And I mean, if seriously. you can be, and if you can be comfortable enough to sit in that, you will, you will make, you will change that person's life just because yeah. you're able to sit in the midst of strong emotions. So that's what I would recommend to do with someone who is grieving now. There's a whole other side of this of what about those of us who are alive? Like, how do we talk about it? And if you want to see somebody get real uncomfortable, the next time you're at a party, the next time you're talking to somebody say, Hey man, you know what? When I die, I hope at my funeral, somebody blank. Um, because they will. So here's the thing. People are uncomfortable talking about their own death. So, so people don't talk about their own death because people are uncomfortable talking about it. I can't, t I, I mean, I, I ask this question every time I meet with a family, I say, do they ever talk about how they wanted to be remembered? And aside from three times, they say, no, we never talked about it. They were too in love with life and that's bullshit. They were afraid to talk about death. You're not so, if you're really in love with life, the people who really love life talk about what's going to happen when they're not living it anymore. The people who are afraid of death are the people who don't talk about it. And so, so being able to say, because so many families have no idea what their loved ones want. 
And I've seen it both. I've seen both sides. I've seen the families who just, who know everything and know what those loved ones want. And they feel so good about the decisions they're making. And I've talked to families who have no idea and they're really always unsure. Like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to approach this. And, um, and so, so part of that is overcoming our fear of talking about it. The other side of that is once you're comfortable talking about it, there are a litany of people who are not comfortable hearing about it. <laughs> the minute you bring it up, if you are a child and your parent is still alive, try to talk to your parent about what happens when you die and see how fast they get out of the room. Yeah. Mom and dad, I want to go over my will with you tonight. Uh, uh, we were, you, you know what? <laughs> we're going to have sex tonight. We'll see you later. Like they're so <laughs> uncomfortable. They're so uncomfortable talking about it. I know this because I talked to my parents about my will when I was home for Christmas this year. Um, and, uh, and so, so, so people are uncomfortable hearing about it. And so we have to be. Uh-oh. We have to be able to be, um, be talking about the end of a relationship. We're talking about the end of love. We're talking about the end of being able to touch someone, to be with someone, to hold someone, to talk to someone, to, if, if you have a person in your life who brings joy and happiness and, and contentment and you're going to talk to them about them dying, you are talking about the inevitable loss of that person. And that is not, but it's necessary because it's going to happen. And, um, and so we have to be able to sit with people who are in strong emotions. We have to be able to talk about our death and actually take steps to make sure that we are taking care of our families. And then we have to be able to listen because here's the thing when grandpa, and I hope this, I hope what I'm about to say doesn't bring up any memories for anybody, but it's a relevant point. When grandpa is in his eighties and dying of cancer and he starts talking about his death, he's doing it for a reason. And grandpa's in his 80s and he has cancer and he's dying. He wants to talk to you about it. He wants to go over these things with you. He wants to know his wishes are going to be honored and no amount of ignoring it will, 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 will prolong his life. Like he's going to die and he knows it and he wants to tell you about it. So fucking listen to him. Because when he's gone and somebody says, did he talk about how he wanted to be remembered? Here's what's going to haunt you. Grandpa, I don't want to talk about that today. It will haunt you. I've seen it. So learn the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know firsthand, you know, that you're sorry, y'all. I know it's like it's <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's good. You're you're telling the truth when you say that your parents don't want to talk to you about your will or how you want to die. I remember you know, trying to tell my mom, Hey, if I die, please don't have me buried. I want to be cremated, you know? And she was like, I don't want to talk about this. And I'm like, well, I'm just letting you know, I want to be cremated. So you better cremate me. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so so here's 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 something that I'd love for you to think about, Chris. And this is something that I have I have this set in my will and in my estate plan. You're gonna be dead. Yep. So it doesn't matter. And everybody grieves differently. So in my estate plan and in my will, I have what I want, but I also have a provision where what do they need? So if my mom feels like she, if I die young, this song, the song just popped into my head when I say, <laughs> I die young. Um, uh, if I die young and my only parents the, are still only the alive, good die young, so you don't have to worry about that, Luke. That's that's, that's, oh. a, good that's a good point. I appreciate that, Omar. Um, uh, I if my mom wants a viewing because that's going to make her feel better to see me laying there then that's what should happen. If, if I, if they want to bury me because they want to have a place to go visit um, because that's important to them, then I want them to bury me. But if nobody can make a decision I have in, cause I don't, this is not a legal document. These are just like wishes that I have. I, if, if nobody can make a decision, then I have, if you can't decide, do this, 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 and this. <laughs> so, so, so it, because part of this process is participation. And I want people to be able to participate as much as they can, yeah. as much as they as much as they want. So I have the provision and they all know you guys can participate in as much as you want. But if you don't know what to do, these things will help guide you. So something so, to think about. In your experience, Luke, with the people who were afraid to talk to their family members about their death or um, even maybe the family members that themselves that never talked about it because they were afraid of like death. How much of those experiences have been tied back to like their own religious upbringings or understandings of of the afterlife? I don't. I don't think very many, to be honest. I don't think people don't talk about death because they know that there's life after. I think they talk. I don't think they talk about death just because they're afraid to talk about it. I, and I, that's, that's, you know, cause I work with families that are largely not religious or very light, like they believe in God, but that's it. They want a general prayer or they were raised Catholic. So we do the Lord's prayer as a nod to the Pope, you know? Um, um, but, but most of them are just afraid to talk about it because of what it means. Do you think it's because they're unsure about how it's going to end up like in the afterlife, if there is one? Or is it more of just a, it's an unknown. I think, I think they're just uncomfortable talking about dying. I, yeah. I, I, so I don't know. Is that what it is? Yeah. I think that it's, I think that it's this thing where, and now I'm just like talking on my ass. Cause I don't really know. I, these aren't okay. questions that I, I ask. I'm just really, this is just conjecture based on what I know about these families is that. Especially when someone is ill, there's this idea. There, there's an idea that death is a failure. So if someone is ill and people die, then medicine has failed and people. So what's the, what's it? We just want to fight. We want to fight. We want to fight. We want to fight. We want to fight. Yeah. And so people will, 
Fight for the boobies. Imagine, imagine talking about, I think I mentioned this when we were doing Curiously Morbid, when we talked about this way back when. Imagine talking about having a baby the same way that we talk about death. So Elizabeth, imagine if you came home and Omar, you were, you know, you're behind the sink, you're, you're washing dishes and Elizabeth comes home and says, honey, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. And you drop the, the glass in the sink and you run over to her and you grab her hand and you look her in the eye and you say, we are going to beat this. And you, and you, and then, and then, and then you go and you have the sonogram and the doctor says, do you want to know the sex? And you say, nope, nope. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear the due date. We are going to beat this. And then, and then Elizabeth's belly gets bigger and you say, I don't even want to touch that because we are going to beat this. And then you're on your way to the delivery room and she's like, ah, it's coming. And you're like, don't think that way. Dude, it is about, no, we are not even going to think about that. And now you have a baby, you've had nine months to plan and nothing is there because the whole time you were going to beat this. No. That's that's that, a really good analogy. And there's, and there's, two, there's two ways that that plays out. Way number one is you both stand there with the baby in your arms and look at each other and go, oh shit, we have nothing to do. We have nothing prepared. We don't know what to do. We are totally lost and there's nobody to help us. That's the, that's the most common way it plays out. But there's another way that it plays out. The whole time Omar has said, we're going to beat this. Elizabeth has been on Amazon ordering a crib. <laughs> Elizabeth called the painter on their way into the nursery and on their way into the hospital. And there's a painter in the house painting the nursery. Her family is assembling the crib. So when Omar says, when Omar realizes the reality of the birth, Elizabeth says, I took care of everything because I didn't think you were going to be able to handle it. And that's the gift we can give to our families who aren't willing to acknowledge it. We can write those things down. We can have a will and go over it with them as much as they don't want to hear about it. So that way, when the time comes, they're ready, even if they're not ready, because we took care of it for them. And what an emotional heavy, you know, having to make all those decisions and not knowing. Like if a nope. parent had to do that for a child or, you know, uh, an adult had to do that for their really old father and they, and they have no idea how to do this and they have to decide it all on their own. That's mentally exhausting. And your emotions, your emotions at that point are so all over the place. There's, yeah. there's just this whole, I mean, going through grief, having been through it, like ha then having to make those decisions, like you're not in a place where you can really make those decisions really no. when you're going through that grief. There's we, no way. Um, it's, it's, it's an unfair thing to ask so much of someone in that time. Yes. Yes. Um, I have a really interesting scenario I'm working with right now where doing another service for a gentleman, I did a service for his grandfather and his grandfather was one of the three who was very talkative about dying. And the daughter was very, she felt very good about everything and she knew what was going on and she knew she was following his wishes and her son recently died of COVID and oh. he was young and she has said to me, I wasn't prepared for this one. I don't, mm. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing with this one. Um, and it's been a really interesting 
juxtaposition to see someone, to see how someone, to see how the same person yeah. experiences two different losses. And um, um, you know, I loved doing her father's service. It was such a meaningful service. And um, uh, I was going somewhere with this and I don't remember what it was. Oh, there it is. The most common phrase I hear from people is, we don't know how to do this. We don't yeah. know what we're doing. We, we, we don't know. We don't know. And so, so really what my job is, is the main job that I have is to, just to come in in a really confusing time and help people put together a plan that, that makes sense to them and that feels good and that honors their loved one. And, and that plan is, is surprisingly simple, um, and, but it's just very customizable. So... I was reading some of our comments live stream. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> we, we read some of them. Uh, so Chad Johnson, Chad's. I don't know if he's still around, um, <laughs> but uh, he's always trolling us. But um, and you've known Chad for a while. So, so is it just me? Every time Lucas is on, he has a new gig of some kind. <laughs> nope, that's exactly right. Um, we have Jordan, who um, is an ex-minister, or as well, and he. Um, he was talking about, um, and you kind of, you told a story about the guy who was supposed to do the Arabic prayer. Yeah. Um, and so, but his question was along those lines, um, you know, forgive me if he's spoken of this already, but you have any dealings with any, uh, various religious groups in your area re regarding your services, negative, positive, et cetera. So, um, no, Nobody really knows about me except for the funeral homes. Like I'm not super public. Like the funeral homes all know me and families all know me. But but it's not like cuz I'm not here's I'm not trying if you are a devout Catholic I shouldn't be doing your service. If you're a devout Muslim, I shouldn't be doing your service. If you're a devout Christian, I shouldn't be doing your service. And when I have one of those situations, I tell people, you should probably call somebody else. Like I had a service once where a guy called and he's like, are you born again, Bible-believing Christian? I was like, you should probably call somebody else for that. Um, I, had a family, I had a family that said, we want to do an altar call. And I said, I don't do those. I'm so sorry. Um, you sh if, that's something that's, if that's something that's really important to you, then you should, you should find somebody that can do that for you. Um, um, I, if I go into a carpet store and I say, where's the tile? That doesn't make any sense. Like, like, you know, you should call somebody else. You should, you should call somebody else. If you want tile, you shouldn't be at, you know, empire carpet. And, yeah. and, yeah, um, and, and so it's kind of the same thing. Like, like, I don't, the only reason ministers would push back is because they feel threatened because they do a shitty job. Uh, we have, I'm not trying to steal anybody's business, you know? Yeah, anyway. of course. So, yeah, that'd be, uh, I mean, it'd be awkward for everybody. Everybody would hate it if they expected a religious funeral in your Now, I, I will say that in about, the midst of... And the guy was actually like some stoner, and you're actually right. you to know him and his friends, and you're like <laughs> blowing up his spot to his, all of his like youth group family. <laughs> now, in the, in the midst of COVID, Catholic priests were not allowed to do services for a while. So I got called to do many Catholic services and I told them right up front, I'm not a priest. I'm not, I can't do the Catholic rites. I can't do those things, but we can incorporate some Catholic elements and we can make it about your dad. And every single one of those family members came up to me afterwards 
and was like, we didn't even know this was possible. Like we didn't even know this was an option because so many people who were born in like a really, really strict religious tradition think that it has to be that way. I did a service once for a Muslim family and they said, we're casual Muslims. We have a guy that's going to come in to do the Muslim stuff. And we just want you to talk about our dad. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. It's what I want to do. So I have one more comment I was going to read from online, um, which I love just this line of thinking to what you think uh navi commented um think how different your life would be if you lived for your death rather than avoiding it so um and i kind of share that same philosophy as well so it's something that's definitely going to happen like you were talking about i mean even if you're not diagnosed with some sort of fatal disease we that's still something we all know unless the good lord jesus comes back before we all die like that's something we're all going to experience so why and that's kind of what my question was leaning towards originally um but like but why would we uh fear this or run from it at all like why not just embrace it that's going to be the end of our story one day so here's a real fun what i'm holding up here this is my this is my eulogy that i wrote for myself i chose my death date i chose how old i was um and i chose how i wanted to be remembered and i wrote my eulogy and if you want to have a really interesting experience write your eulogy tonight or tomorrow, right? Write what, pick a death date, pick an age, pick a death date, and you can choose a reason of death if you want to. I think I died of a, I died of a brief illness, I think was what I, was what I died of. Um, and, and write your story and write what, how you want, write what you want in your story. And this is why I was, I was talking with Chris, I think while you guys were putting the kids to bed or something. Um, you know, one of the things that I've realized in doing this is that I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to have a happy life. I want to die happy. And I started that decision-making with my divorce and I didn't even realize it because when I got divorced, I told people, I don't want to be 80 years old on my deathbed. I have till I have, till I live until 90 now. I care more about my health now, but I, so I, <laughs> I don't want to be 80 years old on my deathbed and I don't want my kids and my grandkids to go. Grandpa was miserable, but he was faithful. That's not how I want to be remembered. And, and so at that moment, I was not choosing how I wanted to live, but I was choosing how I wanted to die. I want to die. I want to die this way, believing these things. And I think when you recalibrate that, many of us, I don't know about many of us. I'll speak for me personally. I don't like bat negative emotion. I don't like feeling unhappy. So I try to avoid that as much as possible. I try to avoid pain as much as possible. And, and when you have a more firm purpose, um, I, Nietzsche, Nietzsche said something to the effect of, uh, he who has, uh, I'm going to butcher this quote, but I'll get the gist of it. If you, uh, he who has a significant why can endure any how or something to that effect. I'll have to look it up. That was a bad, that was a bad, but anyway, the point being, yeah, it makes sense. the point being, if you your why gist. is, if your why is big enough, you can deal with, with the shitty parts of life. And 
I mean, some people's if theology you, is if your D's big enough, you can too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of meaning in that where if you, if you look at, if you look at what's the end going to be, how do I want when, you know, cause I think all the time when I'm sitting down at services and I hear people tell stories about their loved ones, you can't help but think, what are people going to say at mine? And, and, and so now when I get up and when I do stuff, I'm thinking like, man, what are Chris and Omar and Elizabeth and Seth going to say at my funeral if I die and they all come out and, and we're all, you know, and it's like, man, they're going to have some good stories to tell at that funeral. All the things and, we weren't allowed to say on that one podcast. Yep. Yep. They're going to have all kinds of stories. And man, if my mom is there, oh my gosh, that poor woman. Um, and so, so, uh, but, but, but that's the thing, Omar, that's what you're saying. Like it's, it's not something if you look at it as uh, Donald Miller, who wrote Blue Like Jazz and yeah. who's now a big business consultant, um, he says that the, a funeral is the climactic scene of a movie. It's when everything comes together. Right. It's when exactly. all the strife, all the ups and downs, everything comes together and people are there to say why your life mattered and to recognize it and to honor it. And if that's how you look at it, the movie starts with the climax in mind. The movie starts with the boy getting together with girl, with Batman beating Joker, with, you know, that's how the movie starts. They start with that in mind. So you should start every day with the end in mind. And if you do that, at least when you eat pizza naked in your bed, you're doing it with purpose. <laughs> yeah, no that's, no, that's great. <laughs> and I love how you compared it to even movies because... I always say the best part of the movie is the ending. And if you fuck up the ending, then you can ruin a really good movie. And so many times, like what you're saying, that's pretty much what you've been saying this whole time or screaming in different ways is that that's what these, <laughs> these other uh, celebrants or priests have, have done is just fucked up the, the, the ending of really good movies. Giving Luke a heart attack. <laughs> good thing he has his eulogy written. <laughs> that's what you've been saying or screaming in various ways. Sorry. I... <laughs> Hey, he's paying attention. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you still are a pastor in, in many love ways, Pastor Luke. I love you too. <laughs> I, I am, dude. I, I will never stop. I was talking to a friend of mine today and I was getting, and I was going, I was like, oh my God, I'm preaching. <laughs> we'll pass the time bucket around in a minute. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, I mean, that is, I guess, the next question is do you have a Patreon or some sort of, what are you doing? All if right. No one's so, planning on dying. In the next, all right. So, so here's give you our time. <laughs> so, so two things. Uh, number one, probably sometime this year, I have no idea when. I'm going to start a new show called Die Happy, um, because that's that's that's. What the happened goal. to Curiously it's, Morbid? You know what? I didn't like the direction I was going with it. Fair okay, enough. okay. I didn't. Okay, I didn't, keep I didn't going, like. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like. Um, I didn't like the premise. I didn't like the limitation I had on what guests I was going to bring. I didn't like how limited the topic was. I, that's what I didn't like about it. Okay. And, that's um, fair. That's and fair. because there was like no audience for it virtually, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hurt anything to just like shut it down. You know, it's brand new. It was a little, it was one of those ideas that ended up in the dead idea pile in the bad idea pile. And it wasn't that a works. bad idea. It was just too narrow. And, um, because the point is like, I don't want to just talk about death. I want to talk about life. 
I, I want to I want to talk about living. I want to talk about how to die happy. And and what are what are those elements that every person needs to die happy yet are customizable? You know, like like I was talking with Chris before we kind of jumped into this. If you're going to bake cookies, there are a myriad mm, of cookies. options in how to bake cookies, right? Like you can bake all kinds of different cookies, but you need flour, sugar and eggs in virtually all of them with a few exceptions. And so on top of that, you can snickerdoodles, peanut butter cookies, chocolate chip cookie, like you, the, the list is endless. And so yeah. what are those things that are necessary? Um, what are those things that are necessary for people to die happy um, and reach the end, like satisfied and at peace with their loved ones? And, and, if, and, and, and I, don't, I think most people die unhappy out of accident. It's just because they live without intention. Like, like imagine if you were like, I want to travel somewhere. I'm going to go to the airport. And you went to the airport and you were like, I need to get on a plane. I'm going to fly to South Bend, Indiana. And you flew to South Bend. You got to South Bend and you were like, well, now I need to go somewhere else. Because your goal was, I want to travel. And then you're like, well, I'm going to go. And then maybe you end up in Iceland. But there's an easier way to get there if you just had a plan. And, and so I just think most people just die unhappy and unsatisfied because they didn't have a plan. Um, and so like, like, I think that all you need really to, to, to die happy, you purpose and meaning, and you get to make, you get to make that, whatever that is to you, you need values, whatever those are for you. For some people, it's financial responsibility. For some people, it's honesty. For some people, it's loyalty. For some people, it's family. For some people, it's healthy sexuality, like whatever that looks like. You need a sense of community, whatever that looks like to you, whether that's a romantic partner, a family, a business relationships. I think you need a big dream, something that's just like outrageous. Like I want, by the time I die, I hope to have figured out a way to pay off a billion dollars of credit or of, of medical debt for people. There are some nonprofits out there that they pay off medical debt. And one of the biggest crushing burdens, one of the largest reasons for bankruptcy is medical debt. And so I hope by the time I die, my estate is able to pay off a billion dollars of medical debt. Um, you need to have room for play, you need to have fun, and you need to have some kind of element of wellness. And I think if you do those things and you make those your own, whatever that is, for some people play is crazy sexcapades that's the way they play for others it's strumming the guitar alone in their room and i didn't mean that to be a masturbation innuendo but it kind of was <laughs> um <laughs> some people say ukulele you know but whatever <laughs> There it was. See, I knew I almost made the whole thing with, and I just couldn't help. I couldn't help. I had to talk about sex Luke somewhere. So close. I so had to talk close. about sex somewhere. So I casually brushed <laughs> up against it when I said sexuality, but I was like, I'm just gonna stay on. I'm stand death right, but I couldn't help it. It came out <laughs> no matter what. Um, so that sounds so live free. No, live happy. Die happy. Die happy. Die happy. Close. Die hard. <laughs> So, uh, no. And so what I love, so the reason I like, the reason I like die happy Liz and the reason why curiously morbid went away. I love you guys. I just love you guys. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's the next time he's on the show. He's like, I got this podcast idea. It's called die hard and die happy. 
<laughs> or you, you live all your sexcapades out right before you so, die. In your, there you in go. The yeah, there you go. There you go. Die hard, die happy. That's I just kind of like that. Maybe that'll be maybe that'll be after I let's see after die happy and after the celebrant thing doesn't work. Then I'll do a hybrid of die hard, die happy, and then I'll be on for like what a fifth time and talk about yeah. it. Um, so we've already got plans for the new new one. Um, Just gotta put it into your obituary now. Yeah, die hard, die happy. <laughs> so so that's that's one thing that's coming up. But the other thing though is, and this is what's really important to me, there need to be more celebrants. Yeah, like there there need to be more. There's not enough. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I've got a new training program that I'm doing and I'm doing it for, I'm doing, it's in beta. Like it's, it's very much like, like it is not, there's no website for it yet. It's like, if you are passionate about this and you're interested in this, you know, I mean, I made $40,000 last year doing this. Um, and that's in three years, I built it to 40,000. I would have been over 50 if it wasn't for COVID. If you look at the numbers, um, and one of the things that was really challenging for me when I left the pastorate was I was not going to go back into debt to go back to school. I wasn't going to go get my psych degree. I wasn't going to go get an MBA. I wasn't going to go back into debt. And I invested over, well over $100,000 in education to, for, for, a, for a $60,000 or $70,000 a year job. And so that's ridiculous. And so, so, so part Tell of Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. And so I think well, college is such a fucking ripoff, but that's just another, we won't even, I won't even get on that soapbox. Just and, send them off that way. <laughs> and so, so I, I want to develop a training program for somebody that wants to do this. And I want it to be comprehensive because this job is not just getting up and talking about there's it's sales, it's writing, it's, it's, you are your own boss. And that's a great thing. And that's a horrible thing because you live and die with what you do. And so there's a great celebrant training program out there from Insight Celebrants. It's where I did my training. They do a great job of teaching you how to do the service. They don't do a great job of how to teach you how to be an independent celebrant and how to go sell yourself and sell your product and follow up and make those family phone calls the first time and what to say and how to say it and all that. And so this is really designed to, when somebody is done with the program, uh, and like the day they graduate, they will have written, they will have services written. They will, they will be able to do a service for an infant, a service for a teenager, a service for a suicide, a service for a drug overdose. Um, they will have be super equipped to just go and visit mortuaries and feel confident in walking in the door. Um, I've interviewed four people to do it. One person I've agreed to train. Everybody else I've said no to. Um, because I won't train you if I don't think you're going to be successful at it. I just won't do it. Um, you, you have to, there are certain criteria you have to meet to be successful. I don't want your money. I don't care about it. Like, like I, I, I much rather, I want you to be successful. And if I don't think you're going to be successful, I'm not going to take your money. Um, I'm going to charge 2,500 bucks for it one day, but right now I'm only charging a thousand. So you pay a thousand dollars. You can go, you can go start a career that will make you at least 40 within three years if you work hard at it. And that's a pretty damn good rate of return. It's way better than $90,000 on a college degree to go yeah. make 60, you know, so. There you go, Jordan. So Meet Lucas, you, Lucas, if, Jordan. <laughs> if, 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 if you want to do it, um, you can go to my website, lukethecelebrant.com and my cell phone, my cell phone number is 
626-476-0472. Call, text. You want to do it? You want to do it? Give me a call. Like my cell phone numbers on the, my cell phone numbers on the website. It's not a fake cell phone number. Like it will ring to the cell phone in my hand. Um, I'll ignore it the first time. Cause it'll be a number I don't recognize, but leave a message and I'll call you back and, or text me and be like, Hey, I heard you on fade to gray. I would love to know more about being celebrant. And it's six weeks. We learn about selling. <laughs> we learn about how to bake cookies. Cause that's part of it. Um, you learn about how to write services, how to perform the services, um, you know, different terms and terminology and stuff like that. And so it'll be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. I got one if guy. You, um, if you end up getting a phone call from Nick Moore from <laughs> don't Frisco, answer. Texas, don't answer it. He's just ignore it. <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> Love you, Nick. <laughs> He's a friend of the podcast. <laughs> Luke just froze. Uh-oh. Luke, where'd you go? I think we should maybe just go ahead and end it. Uh, All right. We'll say this. Thanks, Frozen Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You could say anything you wanted to about Luke right now. Oh, wait. He could hear us. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, there he is. Hey, damn it. My my Zoom just shut off. It said, fuck you. Like, you guys froze and it just vanished well yeah we're rapping do you have anything else you wanted to say um sounds like no you kind of got it all in there <laughs> no that was fun appreciate i love i love talking to you guys chad yeah. uh give me a call uh no i uh um no this was fun i do i come on here i i i told chris before we started i was like this is like this is like this you guys are like you guys are like the pot that i plant my baby seeds in and i find out if they're gonna grow or die is that a sexual window because i think seth, yes. is the only, seth is the only pot that wants <laughs> seeds planted. I, I i love i love planting me some seeds <laughs> that is for sure i'm well, loving Duke, the beard I'm though super you're looking stoked. really sexy here too by the way yeah what? The beard looking, looking really sexy. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Guys it. are hitting on you now, so they do that. With, they've been doing that with our guests lately. I don't know. Why not? Have, He's a good-looking dude. Listen, I'm not it worried happens about all it. the time. I get hit on men, women, mainly men. Mainly. <laughs> well, dude, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, Die Happy whenever it comes out. Do you have like a guesstimation on uh, what, what when it's going to come out? Nope. <laughs> all right. Stay so tuned. at some point. So, I'll come on again. I'll come on again right before that comes out. There you go. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back. No, I'll, you guys, you guys can come on. You'd be my first guest. Ooh, Better, we'd love that. And all, all my yeah. first, my first guests. <laughs> I love it.